It's about putting out stuff that people can use, which entertains them, educates them, empowers them to take action and ideally to take action with you. I'm Colin Gray and this is episode three of UK Business Startup. So far, we've had a look at some of the big bits, the intimidating bits. That's company structure, finances, business plans. It's the stuff you imagine you'd speak to the experts about, really. But hopefully the first two episodes got you started and helped make a few of the decisions. Well, today's topic for most people is a bit more clear, and that's talking about your business and promoting what you do, otherwise known as marketing. But really, when it comes down to it, it's just finding customers or helping them to find you. So let's start with Julie, our friendly photographer, and her early adventures in marketing. Um, When I started, I just did everything I thought you were supposed to do to market myself. So I got hundreds of flyers run off and I distributed flyers all around my hometown offering my photography services. I asked all my friends and family to tell everyone they knew and really it didn't work. It didn't work. So, you know, Julie's not alone here. It's the way it's always been done, isn't it? So it must work. Well, you'd think, but when was the last time you bought something off a flyer? It's so common that we're just blind to that type of marketing now. If that's the case, though, how do we reach people? Often, it starts really local. I reached out to people who I knew looked like my target client and I offered to do work for them for free in return for them allowing me to use their photographs, um, but also allowing me to reach their friends so they would I gave them vouchers to give to their friends Um, I reached out to someone who was a bit of a a mover and shaker in the area and she wrote a blog post about me so I tried to reach out to people who would talk about me um, and I reached out to the right people the people I knew I wanted to work with. That's the beginning for a lot of businesses family friends local networks and it works treat them right and things can snowball. We really look after our customers so when we get a customer we send them little gifts in the post we have a really good relationship with them we phone them we have lots of conversations before the shoot we touch base with them after the shoot every year at least we give them Christmas cards we keep up with them on social media and we find that they then because we have such a good relationship with them that they do our marketing for us And I think that is a good, solid way to build the right client base. It's a slow burn, though, and you have to be be brave and stick it out and keep working at it. I know a lot of businesses who thrive just on that, just around word of mouth, referrals. And you can do great from that, just like Julie. But let's think wider. Let's think outside of our own network. How do we start to find people further afield? You'll remember Patricia, who runs a recruitment company. She had some thoughts about finding people in another kind of network. The one I bet you've wasted at least a wee bit of time on today. And of course, I'm talking about social media. Talk to your customers and find out where they're living in the digital space. Because you can waste an awful lot of time trying to cover too many of the digital options. Once you know where they're living in this space, start becoming expert in those areas. So it might be Facebook, it might be Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram. And in my particular case, I use LinkedIn a great deal. And I'm also developing podcasting as a tool for for marketing my business too. 
It's great advice. Depending on your sector, your audience is bound to have one or two networks they hang around on most. Do you know which one it is already? If not, take Patricia's suggestion. Start talking to people. Ask them directly. It's definitely the easiest way. Of course, social isn't a natural fit for us all. Some are really comfortable interacting online, but what if you're not? So my main advice would be, don't be afraid. You're going to make mistakes. Everyone does. But you will learn very fast because your bread and butter depends on it. Right, that was Outbound. That's you going on the hunt for customers, finding them where they live and building that relationship. But maybe there's a smarter way. What if you could attract customers to you? What if you could do something now that might attract customers to your company for years in the future? Well, that's inbound marketing. And it's all about making yourself easy to find. No longer, you know, are traditional marketing efforts working. You think about paid ads, radio ads, you know, newspaper ads, all that kind of stuff. They might work to a certain degree, but they definitely aren't as powerful as, for example, having a website, having a blog and being found online. Because, to be honest, that's where people are making their buying decisions. Yeah, but what if you're a care home? We've got to think demographics, don't we? Say my target audience is over 60. So I'd imagine that traditional advertising works best for them, doesn't it? Well, you'd think so, but Chris Maher thought otherwise. You know, it used to be that people say like there was a demographic there that weren't online. I mean, everybody is becoming more online, even people in their 60s, 70s and 80s. My granddad is 86 years old and he has an iPad and Wi-Fi in the house. It's true. And you're always reading about the grey pound now. That's the amount of disposable income out there in the older generation and retirees. And, like Chris says, a whole lot of which is online. That means it doesn't matter who you're targeting, the web has got to be a major priority from now on. It helps too that the web is the king of cheap or free inbound marketing. It's all about the search, and that means Google. And that's the big question every business has. How the heck do I get myself high in the search results? Well, here's Pete Matthews' thoughts on that. Definitely. Content marketing, I think, is how it is increasingly being done. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it has many advantages. One of them is cost. It's relatively cheap to put out good content consistently. Cheap in terms of money, it's not cheap in terms of time, and that's very often the objection that I get from people. But you can be targeted, you can reach a very, very wide audience, um, or you can be locally targeted. If you're in a a sort of brick and mortar business where you want to reach your local uh, community, then you can do that just as well. So content marketing, what is that exactly? In simple terms, it's just publishing good stuff on the internet, which ends up attracting people to your website. But then what do you publish? Seems like that's a question Chris Maher gets a lot. He's going to say, that's great, Chris. I've got my website up and running, but I need content. What is the best type of content that I should have on my website to be a found in Google for people to, you know, for people to stay on my website and be interested in what it is that I'm doing? You really have to be creating valuable, useful, helpful content that people are searching for. Well, not rocket science here. It's helping people. It's showing your expertise by being hugely useful. And that means answering questions. Let's think about Bill again, our imaginary gardener. How is he going to approach this? So for example, I'm not a big gardener, but they might say something like, what's the best way to look after my lawn or my grass? Or what's the best flower feed for uh, a type of flower? And here comes my gardener experience. Um, Or they might, basically what I'm trying to get across is they've got a problem and they're looking for a solution. Right, at this point, I know what you're thinking. This is what we're always asked. And that's, but this is what people pay me for. I can't just give it away. 
But that's the thing. That's where the shift is. That's what's separating the businesses that are killing it online just now from the ones that are trying to sell, sell, sell and failing. You're trying to build a relationship and you're trying to build trust with people. So the best content that a gardener can do is stuff that people are needing help with right now. They might not want to hire a gardener, but if you're the one that educates them and the one that builds trust with them, when they do need a gardener, the person that they're more likely to go to is the person that they've been educated by, the person that they've been building a relationship up with online. So you've got to think to yourself, what are people searching for on Google? What problems do people have? How can we help them with those problems? How can we answer their questions? Because that's what people are searching for on Google. That's how you're going to build a relationship with people. And that's the type of content that I would advise someone like Bill to do. That means it's all about the relationship. So they're interested in a topic, you help them, they grow to trust you and even to like you sometimes. In a lot of ways, it's about sideways thinking. It's about figuring out who exactly uses your product and what type of content they'd be interested in. Here at my financial advice practice, we want people who are serious about making decisions about their money. They want to achieve their goals. And so my podcast is geared to people like that. We're giving them good information that they can act on themselves while at the same time saying, look, a lot of this is really complicated. You might want to see an advisor. And hey, here we are. And so, you know, it's about putting out stuff that people can use, which entertains them, educates them empowers them to take action and ideally to take action with you. So there's lots and lots of things you can do. Certainly it's working for us. The classic take on this is give away the what and the why and then charge for the how. Or another way of putting it, information is free, you charge for implementation. So that means no matter how much you tell people, there's always a big group who need more help. Either some hand-holding, or even though they know, they just want it done for them anyway. And who are they going to turn to? Well, it might be the guy that told them about it in the first place. Looking further, there's another pretty interesting benefit here. And that's the fact that it can become a really valuable tool in your in-person selling as well. When I get a prospect com- comes into my sort of funnel, comes into my... Uh space you know they email me ask a question then I will reach out and say look I've already answered that question in a nice way but you know like you're going to get more value by listening to this show uh, listening to this episode and that's great because it conveys my personality and uh, my voice and uh, maybe they get to know me via that vehicle. So that was Andy Brown from tripleyourclients.com and he's talking about the fact that his customers get to know him through his content. That means trust, that means credibility, that means loyalty. And not to mention the authority he's building by putting out these really useful resources, articles that seem directed straight at that person. It's like he's in their head, seeing right through to their secret worries. I think every business needs to have sort of have a content marketing strategy where they're answering questions that their consumers ask. And when I've done that, it's been really successful. Page one of Google for the specific search term that I'm targeting. I need to do more of it. I think that you can never end. Uh, it's not complicated. Your, your audience asks questions and you answer them. A lot of small businesses, they assume that all those questions can be answered on, on the phone when someone contacts you. But as we know, that's no longer happening. People are making the decisions before they contact you. They're basically doing research online if they don't have the answer if you if they can't find the answers on your site they're going to go somewhere else mm-hmm. 
Right, we know what we're doing. We're answering questions, we're squashing worries, we're becoming the most useful person in our industry. But how do we get this stuff out there? We also blog. We have a blog on our website and we do, we write a lot of content surrounding, you know, what you should wear to your shoots, things to think about before your boudoir shoot, you know, how to look after your skin before your boudoir shoot. So we try to get found by potential clients through writing content for our blog as well. Blogging's a great one to start with. That's just writing articles on your website, basically. No kit required. Just you, your keyboard, and the last few questions you were asked by a customer. Blogging is also the most direct way to get found in search. Google lives on text, after all. But the downside is that because it's so easy to get into, the competition is huge. Saying that, it's still something you can crack if you find your niche and what's unique about you. But blogging is well supported by the other methods, the other medias. And they're the ones that might seem a bit more cutting edge. I've done a lot of video in other businesses that I've had over the years. When I worked in the golf industry, we relied heavily, as you can imagine, on, on, on golf, golf tips uh, in small one-minute, two-minute videos. And I still think YouTube is such a massive opportunity for, for small business. So if you can offer out evergreen content, you should really t- take the time. Then you'll see the results. It's, it's, it's astounding. Video is great for being found on the web because it gets you visible in the second biggest search engine out there, and that's YouTube. It's also an even better way to get your personality across. People can see you, hear you, they really get to know you. But one downside, video can be tricky to make, especially if you want to make it look good. Something above the standard selfie stick gorilla filming. But then again, that's raw, that's honest, and a lot of companies have made it work really well for them. The other thing about video is that it's a hugely busy medium and attention spans can be really low. People flicking from video to video throughout YouTube. So there's an alternative. And since you're listening to this show, you've probably heard of it. That's the Humble Podcast. I loved doing video, but I began to find myself listening to more and more podcasts and just thought I'd give it a go. And the level of interaction from listeners is sky high compared with video. I think it's because podcasting particularly is uh, can be passively consumed. So you can be doing something else while you are listening to a podcast, walking the dog, cutting the grass. You can be on the commute, you know, and we've all got these smartphones with us these days, which automatically download the latest uh, episode of whatever we've subscribed to. And we get, you know, I get to speak into people's eardrums for half an hour every week. And there's thousands of people uh, listening. So, you know, I get to uh, fill a good sized local uh, sports arena every single week and speak to that many people. And they're giving me their attention. I just think that's staggering. And because of that ability to consume it passively, and because of the sort of very intimate nature, I think, of having somebody's voice in your ear, um, it's certainly uh, driven an awful lot more uh, interaction, um, uh, uh, inquiries about doing business with us. So uh, yeah, I wish I'd done it earlier. I think podcasting has really worked well for me and will work for others because of the the fact you're having a conversation, yeah, that you know you, you can actually talk personally to the to the listener. It's a one-on-one experience. It's not like a, an email where the reader's feeling that you're talking to everyone. This is a one-on-one conversation. That connection is what you're really going for in your marketing. We talked earlier about relationships, about building trust, building loyalty. That's what you're looking for. All three of blogging, video and podcasting can do that and really good marketing means doing at least two of them, if not all three. 
Podcasting is a funny one because it's a little bit behind the other two in terms of take up, but that might be a bit of an opportunity. When I asked Andy what he thinks the future of podcasting looks like, he was pretty emphatic. It's going to be everywhere. Uh, already, well, if, if you're a sort of nerd techie like me, it's everywhere. But the mainstream will will see it in a couple of years' time. You know, you'll talk to friends more and more, and they're going to be recommending podcasts the same way that they talk about what what they enjoyed on Netflix, for instance. That wasn't around a few years ago. Fast forward two or three years from here, and it will just be what's your favourite podcast. Even better, depending on how you do it, podcasting can be the easiest content of all to produce. It's not a big deal. I record mine on my iPhone and then use an app to produce it and it goes automatically onto my feed, which is um, hosted on SoundCloud. It's the simplest setup you can have and uh, it's very inexpensive. Marketing is a huge subject. It could easily be a series on its own. In fact, I'm pretty sure we'll do just that, creating a whole series on it for this show in future. But when you're getting started as a small business, less can be more. It's really easy to take on too much, to tackle every marketing method out there. But if you cover everything, just a little bit, then it's pretty likely you won't make a big impact anywhere. Sometimes it's best to choose a few key approaches and hit them hard. Concentrate your efforts and you'll see a big impact. And then you can move on to the next technique. Or just double down on what's working, of course. Whichever route you take, there's one thing that's even more important, and that's consistency. We all struggle with this. Everyone hammers our marketing in the early days to grow their customers. That's when you've got lots of time and not many contracts. But what happens when that marketing works? The gardener, for example, he's got loads of gardeners, he's filled up his schedule, and all of a sudden, he hasn't got any time to market his business. Now, the biggest mistake that Bill could make is to not plan in time to build his business. The worst case scenario for Bill is he stops marketing, all of a sudden he starts losing clients for some reason, or customers stop needing him, and the next thing he knows, that he's got no customers left, or he's only got a few customers. Then he starts marketing. Marketing doesn't take effect immediately. You know, you need to, it's something you need to be building. It's a foundational thing in your business. It's something consistent. Um, so it's about awareness and it's about staying top of mind and about um, staying, staying, I don't know, reminding people that you exist, basically. I love that, reminding them that you exist. Chris is highlighting here that big brands don't assume they can do one big campaign and that's them in your mind forever. That just doesn't work. You fade in their minds. Other brands get themselves out there and overwrite the work that you've done. So you need to keep doing it. Keep marketing. Every day. Every week. You need to pick out a time in the day where you are spending an hour or so working on your business, okay? And you need to have a plan for that. So what are you doing every day to build your business? And the most successful people do do this. You've got to realise that actually you can't just do the gardening, you need to do the marketing as well. Remember though, that effort is so worth it. Consistent marketing helps you keep the work coming in or the sales going out. And not only that, but good marketing makes sure those sales are to customers you actually like, customers you want to work with. Remember Julie was talking about relationship marketing earlier. If you find customers that fit your personality, your values, your brand, then everything else is so much easier. First, your customers stay longer, they become more loyal, Next, you get more referrals because they actually like you. And even better, you can charge more because you're in demand and you have the social proof to justify it. Last of all, probably the most important one, it makes your work more fun. And what's the point in going into business if it's not to do the work we love? 
It's really hard to follow this advice, but my advice would be never forget who your target client is and never get desperate. I think that's when sometimes you go down that slippery slope and you start working for less money, you start working for the wrong clients. Try and stay strong, try and find that right client. It's easier said than done. This was episode three of UK Business Startup. And this time around, I want to ask you a little favour. If you enjoyed the show and it helped in just a small way in your own business adventure, would you mind popping over to the iTunes store and giving us a rating and a review? It's a huge help in getting the show out to more people. And you can do it either in the podcast app on your phone or through iTunes on your computer. If you're not on an Apple device, of course, then forget about this iTunes caper. Instead, just fire me a tweet letting us know what you thought about the show. You'll find us at The Podcast Host on Twitter. Thanks as well to everyone that helped in this episode, all of our interviewees. And you can find out more about what they do at the show notes today, which is at thepodcasthost.com forward slash startup forward slash 103. Thanks for listening and see you in the next one.